John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. And it's time for our Wednesdays with Wyman. And, of course, uh, you know, injuries playing a big role. And certainly over the course of the last couple of days, we've talked a lot about the injuries to Seattle, losing Marquise Blair, Philip Dorsett going on the injured list with his foot uh, injury, and, of course, uh, you know, losing Bruce Irvin. But how about the Cowboys? The Cowboys are starting to catch up to the San Francisco 49ers. Let's kind of go through this. On, on, on Saturday, Anthony Brown, their starting cornerback, had to go on the injured reserve list. Today, Chibobi Awuzie, uh, the other starting cornerback, he went on IR. Uh, then you had uh, at the start of the season, you know, Sean Lee, linebacker, he goes on IR. Then you have the injury to, uh, you know, to put, uh, you know, Leighton uh, Vanderesh out with a broken yeah. collarbone. There are two tackles, uh, Tyron Smith, they, he's hurt uh, with a neck uh, and then you've got you know little Collins. He's down on the injured reserve list. And then you still have even more because uh, Dexter Lawrence, he's got a knee injury. So he's working on the side trying to see if he can play. How much is that going to impact this game? Well, everybody's dealing with it right now. So, um, yeah, it should. I mean, look, the Seahawks are going to be a lesser team because of the injuries that they had as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's it's weird that all this is happening. Is it because of the, you know, the lack of preseason and things like that? But, you know, it's just it's very strange. And when it first started hitting like the 49ers, I thought, wow, I sure hope that doesn't happen to the Seahawks. And then there you go. Happens. Yeah. Uh, and I think Blair is the biggest loss, John, uh, just because he came so far. And, you know, it, and I think that their defensive back play is really going to be what, you know, bails them out of getting giving up all these yards. And, you know, it's it's just a shame because that guy developed really well. He had such a good camp, Marquise Blair did. And on, on that play where he hurt his knee, just a beautiful tackle by him. And I, th- I thought he was going to bring a lot to this defense. And that's saying a lot because Bruce Irvin is is really a valuable player as well and such a good run defense linebacker. Um, and you're you're missing him now too. So what a shame. Yeah, it really is. But uh, everybody's dealing with injuries right now. I mean, you look at San Francisco, and they're totally obliterated with all the injuries that they have. You have to deal with them. But uh, you know, overall, now one I think one trend we've got to follow this week because you saw it in Minnesota. They uh, you know they had to leave their top three cornerbacks go. Okay, they traded away Xavier Rhodes, which probably is not a loss because he wasn't very good and looked like he's at the end, even though he's like 29 years old. But now they had to replace three cornerbacks with, uh, you know, three young cornerbacks. And Aaron Rodgers picked them apart. Phillip Rivers picked them apart. They were in big trouble in that game. And then you look at uh, what was happening. You watched it in Atlanta. Is that, you know, they go with uh Isaiah Olivier uh Isaiah Oliver and a young rookie in AJ Terrell and now what you're going to be looking at with the Cowboys you know Byron Jones their best cornerback they didn't have the ability to pay him to get the 16.5 million they let him go to Miami now their other top two cornerbacks are out and they're going to go with young cornerbacks and so far that's been a recipe for disaster around the league well, I think it's going to be a recipe for Russell Wilson throwing for a lot of yards. Because, Re- recipe you know, is a good uh, word to bring up, by the way, for the let Russ cook people. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, well, and the thing is, he 
the thing that's so impressive about Russ's year, just so far anyway, is that after the Atlanta game, you thought you mentioned Oliver and, and Terrell, young guys. Okay, well, maybe he can have his way with those guys. But you know, now you, you go up against the Patriots, who have the best defensive backfield. I mean, last year, John, they held opponents to 24% on third down. I mean, it's it's ridiculous, and every one of them is good. Uh, J.C. Jackson, I mean, that's a guy that's only started like 11 games and has nine picks in his career. He's played in 30 games, but still. And so that was a really good defensive backfield that Russell went up against and kind of had his way with. So, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see if uh, – you know, they just throw the ball. And I don't know about you, John, that, that third and one and a half at the end of the game, you know, I, I was, I don't know if you felt like they should have ran it there. I felt like, hey, if you're going to, you know, go ahead and try to get this first down and salt this game away, put it in the hands of your, your best player, and that's Russell Wilson. And he just barely missed with Tyler Lockett. But I, I consider or I um, expect them to continue to do that the rest of the year like in those kinds of situations let russell throw deep and you know and i don't want to say let russell cook but i'll say put put the the ball in the hands of the best player Mm -hmm. and that's what they did and that's what's been working but what i liked and i you know kind of forecast this last week is that uh you know let them work, but also match it up against the team that you're playing against and match it up correctly. I mean, as you mentioned, and 100% right on, is that uh, you know the pa- uh, Patriots are really good at cornerback, right? I mean, that's their strength. I mean, that's what they do well. That's what Seattle now is trying to do well. And so it's like, okay, don't risk it too much. And so they re- uh, had 28 pass attempts and 30 rushing attempts. And because you know they stayed pretty much nickel most of the game, Seattle was able to get the bigger bodies and run the ball more. And then and uh, do a good job of mixing it up. And I think mixing it up in this game was going to be good. But in the game coming up here, it might not be a bad idea to uh, try to go more pass than run. Yeah. You know, I, I did consider this, though, John, and I, I did a uh, football one-on-one thing that will be up on our website about Cam Newton and that formation that they got in with the two uh, tackles that came in and reported as eligible, and then they have Cam Newton run the ball. I'd like to see the Seahawks do that. I know Russell isn't, you know, a big like Cam Newton type, but it's the same thing that the Ravens did, where you just overwhelm the defense at at the point of attack when you have your quarterback as the ball carrier. And I know if he got hurt, everybody would say, "What the heck are you doing?" You know, rushing Russell Wilson up inside, but you got Nick Ballore, you've got some big tackles that you can report eligible. It's a it's a pretty good scheme, and the fact that the Seahawks shut it down on that last play is pretty amazing because that play was working. I mean, it worked two out of the three times they had used it prior. And, um, you know, I just wonder if the Seahawks had done something like that. Could they have gotten that one and a half yards instead of Russell having to throw it? Yeah. And, of course, uh, you know, and, and we talked about it a little bit yesterday. It's like sometimes you just can't win. It's like, okay, Pete was criticized for, you know, trying to not right. go for the fourth right. down and uh, the, in week one. And, you know, here's a play where they went deep and, you know, it almost it was a disaster because Cam Newton was with one yard within one yard of winning the game. But, uh, hey, it's like, I guess, you know, no matter what coach is always going to take criticism, right or wrong, but the big thing is just to win. Yeah. Well, and look, you have to, and uh, I just don't think people realize that, you know, I feel like if they hadn't gotten that and they would have tried to run, the same people who are criticizing them for throwing the ball would be criticizing them for 
for running it because your average fan, you know what they like? They like what works. They like it when it works, and when it doesn't, then, of course, you're an idiot for calling that play. So I just think it's kind of funny. you got to be consistent about it. And I just I just feel like the, the things that I've seen from Russell this year, that I am comfortable with them putting it in his hands because he's such a good deep ball thrower. So I'm do it every day at camp. And he's doing it in the games. And so it didn't work out on that particular play, but I'm pretty comfortable with, with Russ taking a little bit more chances. And, you know, the other thing is they did run for 154, John, but up to that point really had not totally established the run game. I mean, you you would definitely say at that point they'd much more established the passing game than the running game. They ended up with 154, but still, you know, they didn't really know how good – their run game is and hopefully that changes over the next couple of of uh, games but they knew they could pass it that's for sure what's your thoughts on the two tight ends set uh now again uh the top two tight ends will disley and greg olson only caught two passes but now they're running uh two tight end sets three times more almost three times more than they were last year in fact i just got the numbers and it was 30.5 percent of the time in weeks one and two they've been in two tight end sets and i think that's smart yeah, well, I mean, look, they're two of their better players. I mean, you, you want to get your best players on the field. And, you know, I, I think by the end of the year, I'm, I'm thinking unless David Moore continues at his pace, that a tight end will be the third receiver. That was such a weird game for Greg Olson, John. I mean, I feel like if he'd caught that pass, that they would have thrown to their tight ends a lot more. But he had that drop that led to a pick six, and then he had a offsides penalty. It was really bizarre seeing a, an older guy like that who is such a good leader and almost like a coach on the field have that kind of game. And Russell never went back to him after that. And they didn't really use their tight ends. And I thought there was an opportunity to do that. But look, they did fine. It's just that I thought we'd see the tight ends with more catches after that game because you know they have a lot of DBs. They don't have any great coverage linebackers and I thought that they would be open but didn't work out that way were you surprised that Russell Wilson didn't get the second uh, offensive player of the NFC uh, award this week it went to Dak Prescott with all his touchdown passes he had four and I think he had some running touchdowns yeah well I mean Dak is good I really like Dak Prescott I'm, I'm a fan of his but no, not really. I mean, but Russell, he, he's putting up those kinds of numbers. I feel like he's going to have another couple NFC Player of the Week. It's, it seems like it's going to go back and forth between him, Dak Prescott, and Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. And what do you think of Drew Brees on uh, Monday night? He's looking a little old right now. Yeah, I really hated a lot of the penalties that were called in that Monday night game. I thought that that, that crew had a terrible night. But, um, yeah, he, he had a couple of uh, underthrows and had some things that uh, that weren't working out for him. So I, I still believe in him. I, I still think that he's, he's going to be okay. But I, I thought what was more impressive than anything, John, was that – and it's good that Breeze, you know, is, if he – look, I don't want him to be on the decline because he's old. It's just that – you know, you don't want to have to worry about the Saints being such a force. But um, mm-hmm. I, I just thought what stood out was was Derek Carr and and the Raiders and their first round draft choices over the last few years finally starting to pay off. So they're in the AFC and everything, but it's kind of interesting to see uh, Oakland and Derek Carr have so much success. Yeah, no question about it. And it's because that's our Wednesdays with Wyman, Dave. We don't get a chance to uh, get together today because we've got Mariner baseball. So I'll yeah. talk to you tomorrow at four o'clock. Okay, look forward to it. Thanks, John. Okay, and of course, you can listen to the show via the 710 Sports app. It's powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up next, we're going to get the report card out and, of course, get some grades going. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.
It's time for The Report Card with the professor. And The Report Card we bring out every day. We look at the good, the bad, the ugly, the smart, the stupid, what people say, what people do. We take the anecdotes. We take the stories. We take the social media comments. And we take the voices. And we attach a grade to it. And we are pleased to be joined by Boy Howdy, who's going to give us The Report Card. Yeah, John, I'm excited about this one because he's got a great slate. Ashley Cox, by the way, helped set this whole thing up, so big thanks to her and Matt Nelson behind the board. Let's start here with Thursday Night Football, John. You know who's going to be uh, phasing off in this quarterback matchup. Yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick and Gardner Minshew. What do you think of the battle of the facial hair? Well, right now, I mean, you know, Fitzpatrick, and it was funny because, you know, they were taking the shots at each other, kind of joking around with the facial hair and all that stuff. I mean, <clears throat> This is a bad football game because say what you want. I mean, these two, two, these two teams stink. Now, again, Jacksonville has exceeded expectations because everybody thought roster-wise they were going to get the first pick in the draft, and you still can't argue that that might not happen. But they came out and they beat Indianapolis, and then last week they were able to go ahead and stay with the Tennessee Titans. So you have to say that they're favored right now, and Miami can't stop anybody, even though they made all these different moves on defense. But I think right now... You have to give kudos to Gardner Minshew because you can look at the quarterback draft from last year and argue, even though he went in the sixth round, he's performing about as well as anybody. I mean, he's outperforming Dwayne Haskins. He's outperforming uh, Drew Locke, who's now injured. You know, he's kind of up there with Daniel Jones. But again, I think that this one, so I'm going to give, you know, the game itself a, a D or an F because, you know, you watch how bad the ratings are going to be. But again, I th- just from the local standpoint to see, uh, Fitz Magic go against uh, the Minshew. That's going to be kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to give the battle of the beards and the mustaches and the gross facial hair. I'll give the battle itself a B. Um, I don't really have any interest in watching Ryan Fitzpatrick anymore. He had like one four-game stretch in his career where he was like just inexplainably good. But, yeah, uh, I'm not all that interested. But as for Gardner Minshew, you're so right, John. I mean, the fact that he's outplaying everybody else that's been drafted around him is so cool. I think it speaks to his mentality, his confidence in himself, and it speaks to playing without any pressure. I mean, nobody expects him to be anything. And he just cuts it loose, and he just plays football the way he always has, the way he played it as a kook. So always an A for Gardner Minshew, but a B for this matchup. A B? You're giving it that good of a grade? Well, I'm not going to watch it, John. Oh, okay. That sounds I'm not watching it at all. But I like watching Gardner Minshew, and I like his story, so I'll go with that. Okay. Uh, Let's move on to the next story here. John, did you know one of your favorite movies, maybe not one of your favorite, one of mine, Remember the Titans actually came out 20 years ago today. How about that? Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, so for that story, I'm going to have to give it an A. I think that's one of the better better sports movies that have ever been created. And uh, is there a more poignant sports movie? story now for today's culture really than that i mean i know no movie's perfect no depiction is perfect but there's some really great messages in there and i think it um it spoke to some cool things about what sports can do when we have the right mentality and we try to work as a team so i'm giving that movie an a plus john i love it yeah i'll give it an a i'll give it an a because again it was just such a great movie and it's going to go down as you know one of the all-time greats and that's the thing i mean we've been so blessed with so many good sports movies you know we haven't had really too many in the last couple years unfortunately of course i mean with the pandemic this year we're not having many movies period that's something that is a little bit different but no i think that's that's a that's a great uh thing and hey look we got a Love it. 
How's your stream game been going, John? You've been streaming a lot of stuff these days. No, I've been. Uh, I've, you know, what's different this year is that uh, so busy with the database, mainly because you know there's you know so many different things in there. You know, like we have the uh, the practice squads up to sixteen. You have different rules like that, and you know just trying to readjust to that. So I'm spending so much time like trying to even catch up on database stuff. I didn't even get the chance. Uh, to get last week's waiver wire in, I got it done yesterday, and so now I'm just working on readjusting salaries. So not too much streaming. Let's move forward, John, here. Uh, one from basketball, from the basketball world. A former Florida coach, Billy Donovan, is now the head coach of the Chicago Bulls. What do you grade that, John? Because um, now wasn't wasn't he on uh, or, or, or I mean the. Uh, uh, our favorite team in uh, you know that was stolen away from us. They used to be known as the Sonics. Was he coaching there? Yeah. And what did they fire him? Yeah. So uh, let's put it this way: I'm going to give it a B because he got out of Oklahoma City, and uh, you know we all love the fact that they started falling down because again it should never have allowed, been allowed to have that team go there. I mean Howard Schultz sold everybody out by letting him, by selling the team the way he did, and so I'm going to go give it a pretty good grade because again overall. Uh, uh, Billy Donovan going to Chicago. He's no longer in Oklahoma City, so let's give it a B. Yeah, I like that grade. Uh, Billy Donovan is a cool coach in the sense that he really took a program in Florida that you know not a lot of people trusted and felt like was a perennial power in the NCAA. He took him to make to mean something, and he parlayed that into a good career as a coach in the NBA. And the Thunder, he he was good there, and they were good with him. So uh, I'll give him uh, pretty much a B. Maybe I'll give him a B plus, John. I think he's a good coach and. I, I don't know if it's going to really make a difference. I mean, they don't have LeBron James or Steph Curry, so I don't know what chance the Bulls really ever have to win. But, yeah, I, I'll give it a B plus. I, I like Billy Donovan. Yeah, I do too. I think that the good coach was a good coach in college, good coach in the pros. And, again, anything bad happening to Oklahoma City Thunder is good. So, John, uh, throwing a curveball on this one because picture came down from a press conference. John, you know what press conference I may be talking about? Mm. That would be one Bill Belichick oh, yeah, had a press conference. And um, there's some wondering as to whether or not he knew that there was a video camera on for this press conference, but he was wearing him some ratty, raggedy, holes-in-the-neck Patriots sweatshirt cutoff hoodie, you know, like, kind of like the one he wears on the sidelines, except maybe it was the original one he ever cut up and has been wearing it ever since to clean the bathroom because it's got holes everywhere, John. What do you think of Bill Belichick wearing a holy sweatshirt coming to work? I'm going to give him a, an F because, again, it's like, okay, <laughs> you got the Zoom press conference, and you know the press conference in there, and he has the press conference every day, and you know, he just got done with the Subway commercial, and it's like, you know, that's the thing I couldn't understand. I can understand the sleeves being cut off. What, I mean, it almost looked like he, he was smoking and was putting, you know, putting the ashes out <laughs> around the neck. I mean, you see the way, because it wasn't like, it, it was it was kind of, it was what, a blue, dark blue Blue, uh, at one point, it was probably blue. Man, that yeah, is but, faded I mean, but, to gray but now. It looked like, but it was like it was brown. You know, the stains were brown. <laughs> so either, this is one that uh, you know he either never got cleaned, whatever it is, it was pretty bad. John, I work in a windowless garage. I promise you, I have never once showed up to my job sitting in my own house wearing a sweatshirt like that. That is disgusting. I got to give Bill an F for that. I'm oh, yeah. sorry. Show up for work, buddy. Mm-hmm. Last one, John. We've talked about this a little bit, but we'd love to get your grade on it. Um, the uh, the Chargers team doctor has accidentally punctured Tyrod Taylor's lung, giving him an injection, a pain-killing injection to help him with chest pain, and uh, the quarterback's cracked ribs. What do you make of this whole story? What grade can you give? 
I think you have to kind of give an F because uh, you know he's done damage to a starting quarterback. You know, again, it's and, and this is this, that's so, so strange. I mean, here he is six seconds before the game starts, and you know he finds out that uh, you know he can't breathe. He had to go to the hospital, and now we find out the lung was punctured, and that's probably one of the reasons he went to the hospital. And so you have to give that an F. And I'm going to be curious to see and what's going to be interesting today because you know you've got the Players Association, the NFL investigating the field at MetLife for the ACL injuries, and then you have a team doctor who ends up stabbing his own player. So that's going to be uh, an F because, you know, a doctor is supposed to help, not hurt. Yep, I agree. I'm going to give it an F, but I'm going to leave the door open for the grade to go up if we do find out that this some sort, this is some sort of a dangerous procedure, that there is a chance that this happens on a more common basis than we realize. But on the surface, John, there's nothing but bad news here. There's nothing but... Um, but signs that point to this being handled improperly, and I really hope that Tyrod Taylor doesn't experience any career damage because No, of this. you hope not, but right now the career damage could be it's going to take him weeks to be able to come back. They're going to have to put him on IR, and if Justin Herbert plays like he did on Sunday, there's no chance he's going to be back. Okay, so be sure to check out the Professor's Notes on 710sports.com. The Professor's Notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at 5. Coming up next, we're going to go into Vizzy Hard Seltzer text line and uh, check it out uh, and see what's going on. Uh, and gets your text questions. You can text us at 710-710, John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Time to go on a busy hard seltzer text line and uh, take your text questions at 710-710. Boy, howdy, what do we have? Well, John, uh... Really excited for this batch here because we've got a great one on the busy seltzer, busy hard seltzer text line from the 206. Can you give a recap of the Seahawks injuries and some of their timelines for returns? Okay, well, let's see. Uh, Bruce Urban out for the season with the ACL. Same thing for Marquise Blair. Uh, Philip Dorsett ended up, uh, you know, going on the ice. Uh, he'll be out for at least three weeks with a foot injury. He's not played because of that foot injury. So that'll p- take him back to maybe week seven because week six is going to be a bye week. Rasheen Green looks like he's going to be okay. He missed the game because of a sore neck. Looks like he's going to be back on the field. Uh, and other than that, I think that they're in pretty good shape. I mean, you know, they're kind of taking it day to by day with uh, Dwayne Brown, who got that leg, lower leg hurt early in. So he probably is going to miss some practice, but, you know, he'll fight through it and be able to play. Uh, you know, we're still kind of waiting to see where Daryl Taylor is. You know, he comes off the PUP supposedly after week, after six games, or which will be seven weeks because of the bye week. But it looks like he's not close. I know that Pete Carroll said uh, Rashad Penny uh, is way ahead of schedule as far as him coming back from the ACL. So he has a chance to maybe come back in week seven. From the 2-5-3, John, nine touchdowns through two weeks for Russell Wilson. Can he break the total season touchdown record of 50 hot, 55 held by Peyton Manning? I guess he can. I guess there's a possibility. I would tend to think that it's not going to happen. But, uh, you know, what you're looking at is that, you know, this the start of the season was a little tougher than expected because, again, you're playing three really good quarterbacks and, uh, you know, some decent defenses, although Atlanta turned out not to be a decent defense. But when things start to light up, and, you know, that's the thing that's going to be the key as far as wins and stats. You know, you figure it's going to be tough in the division because this is a very tough division right now, best in football. But, you know, the non-division games, you know, you, you, Minnesota, I think you'll put up good numbers against them because right now they're a shell of what they were on defense. Then you got the teams like the Jets, the Giants, the Dolphins and that. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't count on it, but I think he does have a chance. 
Interesting outside-the-box question here from the 503, John. How would Ryan Kerrigan fit on this team? Washington's got some young defensive ends, and Kerrigan's on the last year of his deal. Mm, it wouldn't be bad. I mean, I think what you need is some volume, and certainly uh, you know, because you know the options at the Leo position aren't good, and I think as a former linebacker, he can play the Leo position. So, yeah, I think that he can be a consideration. You know, uh, I don't think they'd have to pay much on a draft choice, and as the season goes on, you know, some of the teams like Washington and you know the bad teams – you know, they'll start unloading some of their players for draft choices, and it might be some cheap deals. Yeah, to that vein from the four two five, what teams who entered 2020 thinking they were going to contend, you think we're going to fold first? Well, right now you're looking at uh, Minnesota because, you know, they thought uh, they were they made it okay on the defense. And then you look and you see it didn't work out on defense because, you know, they've given up so many points and so many yards. Philadelphia, I think you have to put in that category. You know, they've had now what uh, – They've put four offensive linemen on the uh, injured reserve list, so I think you have to kind of put them down. But Minnesota, I think Philadelphia, they tend to be the top two teams you think about right now. Following up on that question, John, are there any players on those rosters you think could be trade targets for the Hawks as maybe a one-season rental? Mm, hard to say. Philadelphia, you know, maybe uh, you know Derek Barnett, the defensive mm-hmm. end. Uh, and what I'm, I'm still wondering about the idea: should they consider going for one of the older pass rushers, and a Terrell Suggs, a Cameron Wake, somebody like that? Clearly, they like uh, they'd like to get Clay Matthews, but he didn't do it. And by the way, how about the stupidity of Devontae Freeman? You know, he turned down a one-year, three million dollar deal from Seattle, and he ended up getting a deal that could be worth up to three million dollars to go to a New York Giant team that doesn't have much of a chance. And so it's like uh, he he lost his chance because I think this team's better with Carlos Hyde. I totally agree with you, John. By the way, we still have more time for more text submissions to 710-710 brought to you by Busy Hard Seltzer. This one from the 253. Is the Seahawks defense as bad as the numbers have shown through the first two weeks? I wouldn't I mean, guess. This, it's a league-wide thing. Right now, defenses are, are, are behind. I mean, you know, look at the numbers Green Bay's given up. I mean, this is a scoring league right now, so don't overjudge it uh, too soon because, again, I think if you do, you're going to be missing something. Uh, got some predictions here they want from you. John, from the 206, who do you think the Hawks are going to bring up to fill their three empty roster spots before this Sunday's game? Well, what they brought up, Lyndon Stevens. I would have to think that uh, maybe John Ursua, he might be a consideration. Uh, then, uh, you know, we'll see what they do if they want to. Well, they've added a defensive back. They don't necessarily – it's a wild card. Uh, so, you know, if there's a defensive end, they might want to add. So, I mean, you remember last – week they brought up Anthony Rush from the practice squad and signed him as a backup defensive tackle so uh, you know I think they'll stay loose John from the 253 we're looking for some fantasy answers here who would you pick if you're going to pick a starting quarterback for just this week Gardner Minshew or Tom Brady Mm, I'd go uh, Gardner Minshew because Miami's defense is really off to a horrible start. So I think I'd give it more to him. And, you know, say what you want. I mean, again, I still question how good this Jacksonville team is going to be. But right now, they uh, they tend to be doing some good stuff. So we'll see. Another fantasy-related question. Um, also tying back to Devontae Freeman from the 360 as the replacement for Saquon Barkley, do you see Devontae Freeman unseating Deion Lewis for the Giants' starting running back spot? Not right now. It's going to take him a couple weeks, maybe eventually, because I think he's a good back as a former Pro Bowl back. And I think you know, Deion's more of a backup than he is a starter. So, uh, it, But again, remember, he's just got there. He didn't have training camp. You know, so he's so far behind. And again, they don't have good blocking on the line, but that doesn't necessarily mean too much. A couple of Seahawks questions for you, John, on the Vizzy Hard Seltzer text line from the 509 
What do you think is taking so long for Josh Gordon's reinstatement? Hard to tell. I mean, uh, you know, I thought it would be this week that we'd find out something, and we haven't found out anything. And so the only thing you have to kind of wonder, did he make a mistake or do something like that? You have to kind of worry about that. From the 253, John, how many yards is DK Metcalf going to have with the Cowboys' number one cornerback out? Mm, I think probably 90. I mean, I think Tyler Lockett could end up getting over 100. So this could be a big game because, you know, technically with Byron Jones leaving to go to Miami, uh, they're starting two cornerbacks out on injured reserve, and they've got a bunch of young guys. Now, one guy that can step up who they just signed to a $2.5 million contract was Brandon Carr, uh, who actually started the season on the practice squad, but they gave him a $2.5 million Thing. So you might see a little bit more of him, but they are going to be young and vulnerable at cornerback. And so far, they haven't been able to do much in the pass rush. Piling on to that, the 425 wants to know how many yards in total you would see the Cowboys passing on the Seahawks this upcoming week. Uh, you'd have to figure probably 300 yards because uh, you know I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. You wonder about the pass rush. Although, again, another question for the Cowboys. You know, If they don't have Tyron Smith playing a tackle like he missed the game last week, then they're going to have two undrafted guys that are going to be out there at tackle. You know, Brandon Knight would have to take over at left tackle as he did last week. So that could be something that could help the Seahawks. Another question from the 206 related to the Hawks. Could Rashad Penny come back sooner than six weeks because of the new IR rules? No, he can't. I mean, uh, he was on. If you do it before the start, I mean, before the final cutdown, then uh, and because, again, it's still a matter. He hasn't passed his physical. And so being on PUP saves you a roster spot. But also you have to have him serve at least the six weeks. So, no, he can't. He cannot come back uh, before that. That's just part of the old rules. And it hasn't changed. Strong question here from the 425 related to the Hawks game and fantasy football. Should I start C.D. Lamb, the Cowboys rookie wide receiver, or Michael Gallup? I'd say uh, I would go with C.D. Lamb because uh, you know he put up he had his first hundred yard game last week. Uh, you've got Dak Prescott. I mean it's going to be a high scoring game. And right now you know Matthew Stafford's not off to a great start. And you know Gallup you know, he's he's missed some you know, time obviously. So I would definitely go C.D. Lamb. Interesting question from the 801 on the Vizzy Hard Seltzer text line. John, what would you have to give to Tampa for Shaquille Barrett? Is he worth that? Uh, you have to give a first round pick. Because uh, and also he would not be able to fit under the cap because under the franchise tag and so uh, it's over fifteen million dollars under the cap. So forget about that idea. Plus, remember, I mean, this is a Tampa team that wants to win. They're trying to go for it and try to catch the New Orleans Saints. So there's no chance that could happen. That's a great point, John. That's why we tune into the professor. That's good stuff. Uh, we got a couple more here. If we got some time from the three six zero, how long do you think it's going to take for teams to figure out a way to neutralize? Jamal Adams and make him cover in the in the backfield instead of rush down towards the line. Well, let's put it this way: so far, nobody's been able to do it in the first three years. I mean, the only thing is, is that uh, he was on bad Jet teams. But uh, you know, he's been to three Pro Bowls. He's got you know, he pretty much can get six sacks in any season. And so, I don't know. I mean, he's that good. And so, you can try to figure him out. You have to kind of clean up some of the things that you know allowed him to be in the middle of the field, you know, in coverage like that. But uh, overall, I think that uh, he's a hard guy. I mean, he's that good. Sneaking one last one in here on the Vizzy Hard Seltzer text line from the 509. Chris Carson and Shaquille Griffin, both free agents after this season. Do you think either or both will get signed? 
I think they'll find a way to uh, keep them both because I think they want to keep them both. So remember, the one thing is uh, the franchise number is going to come down, and so you get uh, one of the two at a discount price. And so it's like, uh, you know, both want to be here. Uh, they might not like being franchised, but I think you sign one and you franchise the other, but you can't lose either of these guys. And maybe it's better in the long run to do it on Carson because his number is going to be less. Now, again, you know, it's like it would probably be like $14 million a year for, I think, what you can do on uh, Shaquille Griffin uh, on the franchise tag it may be about 8 or maybe a little lower than that great batch of text today let's close it up and move on okay that sounds good so it's time now for our daily dose of the Graz with Dave Grosby coming up next John Clayton powered through the Alaska Airline Studios on demand with the 710 Seattle Sports app Time for our Daily Dose of the Graz with Dave Grosby. So, Dave, the Mariners lose 6-1. to one. Bullpen didn't do well. Hitters didn't do well. Just a bad game at a bad time. And now the magic number for the playoffs is down to 1. So, it looks like the uh, shared of, the, our dream to see that happen uh-huh. is not going to happen. No, another year without the postseason. But it was a year that uh, we'll... we'll uh... We'll feel generally positive about moving forward as, as uh, a lot of young talent for the future emerged and emerged brightly. But uh, playoffs weren't really a realistic expectation when the year started. So uh, the fact that they've taken it down to the wire is impressive enough in my book. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, what, what what guys do you really look positively at? Obviously, Marco Gonzalez. You know, yeah, I'm, he leaps out at me. We, we talked about him yesterday. I mean, they, they've got... They've got a number one starter. I mean, you know, they're, and, and he's under team control for a couple of years. And uh, it, it's, it's uh, you know, I remember when I was doing the show last year saying that I thought he was the one untouchable guy because uh, if you didn't have him, he'd be what you'd be looking for, a potential number one starter who's younger than 30 and has got team control for a couple of years. And that's what they have. I wouldn't be surprised if in the off season. I'm not sure what their, their status is with contract, but they tried to do something uh, – a little longer term with Marco because he, he really, really uh, jumped out. Uh, obviously, the other guys uh, are the guys that everyone saw. Kyle Lewis, in particular, uh, rookie of the year season, uh, was very, very impressive. I thought Evan White flashed great glove and and uh, showed why the Mariners signed him uh, to a deal uh, in the off season as well. Uh, we didn't get a chance to see a couple of other prospects, but Dunn and Kalanick uh, looked good to me uh, as as guys moving forward in that pitching rotation. So. Played the youngest team in baseball uh, all year long and, and got to the state and be pennant race for the final week, even though it was a shortened season. Uh, definitely, definitely a lot to look forward to, it seems. Yeah, agreed. So what do you see? Uh, is it going to be two more years or how many more years do you think before this team can now really solidly? Compete? I think, you know, I think, you know, you're taking a serious look at next year now. Uh, you know, you, 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 I mean, this team contended this year. Again, it was a 60 game season. I understand that. And, and they'll have to judge it that way. And, and uh, I don't know how much they were set back by not having their, their prospects be able to have, you know, a full season in the minor leagues. But you, you now have, you've now gotten to the point where you were in the pennant race for a week with a week to go. I mean, you're there. So, uh, I would expect that the Mariners can, um, would open the purse strings up as they've talked about doing and spend some money and, and get, try and get some pieces to be, uh, in, in the mix next year because they were in the mix this year. Yeah, no doubt. I think that surprised everybody, and I think that's an encouraging thing. But again, to be you know four games remaining in the season, and you're still talking about the glimmer of maybe making the playoffs, which right now doesn't look like it happened, I think is a good thing for this team. Oh, uh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. So uh, I, I think that, that they may have accelerated the schedule by a year, and, and we'll see what they do in the offseason. You know, they don't have a lot of guys they want to trade necessarily, which they've had in the past. 
You've got mainly guys you want to keep and, and build with. And remember, they've got some young guys who are ready to step up to the major league level as well next year in their farm system. So it's not going to be, excuse me, it's not going to be only adding free agents, but I would expect them to be active this offseason. Yeah, I think there's no question about that. Speaking of active, where would you kind of put the storm as far as, you know, one of the most interesting, uh, one of the best teams maybe in, uh, in Seattle history in sports? I mean, they get the sure. victory. They've got great talent. They're in the semifinals. They got the buzzer beater to win 88, 88 to 86 last night. That That's a good team. Well, the other thing, John, is is uh, is something that that you see in sports. Uh, you see it with uh, with a guy like Derek Jeter. You see it with a guy like Michael Jordan. You saw it with a guy like Tom Brady. When you have a transcendent star, uh, it, it can it, you know you, you can really build around and be successful for years and years and years. And that's what they've had in Sue Bird, you know, from from the beginning. And and you know she's evolved during her career. You know she she took a supporting role with Lauren Jackson. She's He's now, you know, just a seasoned veteran uh, getting near the end, but uh, is a transcendent star uh, with her grit and determination and, and her hard work and her consistent play. She is she is the em- emblematic of the team, which has been one of the most successful teams in in the WNBA you know, for a long time running now. So, you know, I, I think that, I, you know, when it, when it comes to the storm, I start with her good ownership, good management, but, but uh, you know, when you have a, when you have a real superstar, uh, you know, good things can happen to your organization. And, and the Storm have a couple of championships to show for it. Mm-hmm. No, and I think that, uh, and she's so much fun. And, you know, she's such a uh, national star. And does, yeah, she's does everything. Her. I mean, she's absolutely everything you look for in a, in a, in a championship athlete. Everything you look for. She's uh, off the floor, on the floor. You know, you, you couldn't be you couldn't be more happy with her performance and, and uh, in in any Seattle sports, uh, honest to goodness, Mount Rushmore, she belongs there. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. And, of course, it's just uh, fun to see this. And do you think they can take it all the way? Why not? <laughs> I, I'll be, I'd be lying if I said I've been watching the WNBA that closely, but um, I wouldn't put anything past them. They're, they're, they're very good. They were the top seed, and, and uh, they're, in, they're in, in a battle. And, you know, I, I sure, of course they can. Yeah, no doubt, and that's kind of fun to fun to see. Now, of course, uh, strange stories you in the all N- kinds of playoff stuff going on. Man, you had you had Denver winning last night over the over the Lakers, almost blowing a twenty point lead and not doing it. You got Game Three of the Stanley Cup Finals uh, tonight uh, with Tampa and Dallas tied at one one. You've got uh, Game Four, Boston and Miami. Miami with uh, Jimmy Buckets, Jimmy Butler leading uh, leading the Celtics two games to one in that series. So. Uh, and baseball with with a week to go, it's actually a, a pretty fun time in sports right now. Yeah, it really is. I think, and uh, you know, we've been waiting for this. We've been enjoying it. It's been fun for everybody involved, and so I think that's a good thing. Although it's taken a little a little tiny bite out of your NFL ratings, but um, I think it's definitely a good thing. I mean, it's it's uh, it's not always going to be like this, and it's kind of fun having the NFL going and having all these playoffs going at the same time as well. I mean, you're going to have. Uh, you, you're going to have overlap between uh, the NBA for sure and Major League Baseball playoffs. That'll be the first time that's ever happened. If the Stanley Cup Series goes to seven games, you can have all three of those sports uh, going on at the same time, the playoffs going on at the same time. Unprecedented. Yeah, it really is. What's your thoughts on tomorrow night's game between Miami and Jacksonville, where you have Fitzmagic and his beard going against the mustache <laughs> of a Garner Minshew? Uh, I think you know Minshew and those guys are, are are ascendants. I mean, you know they're they're on the way up, and and he he is he is showing a lot of the intangibles that that uh, and I, I'm sure you'd agree that that a good quarterback's got to have in the NFL. I mean, we you know we'll, we'll, we'll 
we wonder about arm strength and things like that, but there are certain guys who, who are beyond that, and, and he seems to be one of those guys. And, and uh, nothing against uh, Fitzmagic, Fitz who is not the long-term solution in Miami anyway, but um, I think that, that uh, watching Gardner Minshew, especially after watching him with the Cougars, you know, just seeing seeing the, a guy who, who just has got it, and, you know, it in parentheses, I mean, or it in quotations, you know, it's hard to find, but he's got what it takes to be a, be a starting quarterback in the NFL and, and ranks very high in the leadership uh, qualities and, and, you know, had a great opening week. So uh, I like I like Jacksonville. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, what's your thoughts on the crazy story out of the Chargers that uh, Tyrod Taylor had to go to the hospital and not yeah. play uh, because he had to get an injection for his ribs and it punctured the lung? Unbelievable, man. I mean, you know, I'm sure no one feels worse about it than the doctor that did it. I, you know, it's just just uh, just a shocker, and, and you know, it explains why why he didn't play last week. Because you know, if if you watched Hard Knocks, he was he was a singularly impressive guy. I thought in Hard Knocks. I mean, he, he showed the work ethic that that a, that a pro's got to have. He worked harder than any of his teammates. It looked like. So, I think it's really unfortunate that that it happened to him. But uh, you know, accident. There's no question about that, but uh, just brutal because, you know, you did see during Hard Knocks uh, a guy who was getting to the practice facility at like 4.35 in the morning, was outworking everyone, was, was you know, they, they said he was a place setter and he was going to show them different. And it's just, it's just too bad. I was really very impressed by him. So I, I hope he can bounce back from the weeks to come. That hope, let's hope so. But again, it's going to take him several weeks, as it turns out right now. And Justin Herbert, who did a good job, is going to be the quarterback. And of course, uh, you're the quarterback of always a great segment. And of course, uh, that's our daily dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. John, sounds great. We'll talk tomorrow. All right, sounds good. And uh, we will be back tomorrow. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.